Lord, we thank you that even though you are the creator of the universe, that you put this whole system together, that we can still call you Father. Lord, we thank you that you allow us before your throne of grace and of mercy and of love. We thank you that you accept our worship. And we are in awe of you this evening, Lord. So, Father, as we now meditate on your word, as we direct our hearts and our minds more directed at you, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be with us here, that you would be dwelling here amongst us, that you yourself would be speaking to us and ministering to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I trust you guys had a good week. Um, I had a good week. Wasn't last week awesome? It was so lucky just to be on the beach, um, to spend time in fellowship with one another. So in Dunge last week, last week we were on the beach, not too far from where you are, um, out in Bloberg Way. That was awesome. So in Dunge was also someone, um, welcome Dunge, uh, Reverend <laughs> He's also someone who I studied with. It's great to have you with us here. Um, I think we're going to see you again next week at Josh's ordination. Have a blessed time with us. Welcome to you also, Colin, this evening. Great to have you with us again. And to those of you guys who are going to be watching this recorded a little bit later on, it's great that you can be spending time with us as well, even though you are seated on your couch or on your bed at home. So last week we celebrated Easter, um, an extremely significant time for us. And this evening I, I think it would be edifying for us to look at a story that takes place immediately after the resurrection. In fact, it starts to unfold on the day that Jesus resurrects himself. And it's quite interestingly a story that only Luke records in great detail. Other than Luke, it's only um, Mark, but Mark also only mentions it in two verses in Mark chapter 16. And so as you can see there on the, on the image, our story is found in Luke chapter 24, and we'll be reading quite a big chunk from verses 13 to 35. So if you've got a Bible handy, otherwise you can just follow with us. Um, we'll have it up there. Um, as we'll be working through the passage, we'll read a little bit. We'll chat a little bit about what's happening there. Then we'll read some more and we'll make our way through those verses. So just some context for the story that we're going to be looking at. Um, so Jesus had been crucified on the Friday. His body was placed in a tomb. Sunday comes. Um, the women go to the tomb to spice the body. By the way, the spices are not there to make him smell good. The spices are actually there to help to, to break the body down. Um, and and they, the women get there, they, they don't find Jesus' body, but they do see two angels who tell them that he has risen. They go back, they tell the disciples, and the disciples don't believe these women. And this is where we pick the story up from. Now, as we meditate on this text, as we look at it, as we read through it, I believe that there's actually much that we can apply 
to the season that we find ourselves in at the moment, with many of us also having to deal with loss, with grief and mourning. Now, as we will see, Jesus, he appeared to these believers because he loved them and he wanted them to have the joy also of seeing him alive because he had to also explain to them his saving accomplishment and their role as witnesses to him. And last but not least, because some of them, some of these believers were in emotional and spiritual distress. And so they needed therapy. They, they needed a counseling that was uniquely something that Jesus could give. So let's read from, from Luke chapter 24. This is how it goes. It says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Next slide, Luke. What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, and what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. As we read through this, we'll stop there. We see that Luke is he's telling us the story in the form of what appears to be an eyewitness account. Luke is not giving some theological explanation. He's telling about what people saw. And then we see here two disciples, as we read through it, they are traveling from Jerusalem to this town called Emmaus. And they had probably been in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover festival. This Passover festival was a festival that lasted for seven days. And they would have in this time then on the Friday, as the festival was coming to, an, to a close, they would have witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus on that Friday. The disciples probably began their journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus early on the Sunday morning because they would have been unable to do so on the Saturday because it was forbidden for Jews to travel on the Sabbath. You see, Saturday was their Sabbath back then, according to Jewish law. 
And so they would have set out early morning, shortly after sunrise, after having heard the account of some of the women who went to the tomb before dawn. And they came and they reported to the apostles that angels told them Jesus had risen from the dead as he had promised. And after also hearing that Peter and John had found the tomb to be empty. And so they are walking. And they're walking this 11-kilometer journey, which would probably have taken them about five hours. And they have all of these things going through their minds. And they're talking about it to one another, trying to make sense of what they had experienced in these past few days, going to celebrate Passover, yet witnessing someone being murdered, someone being crucified. And while they're walking and talking about everything that had just happened, they are joined by a fellow traveler. And this traveler is Jesus, but they don't immediately recognize him. Now, this bit kind of amazes me because here's Jesus who had two days earlier been beaten, been whipped. He had had a spear driven into his side. He had had nails driven through his hands, nails driven through his feet. And here he is walking an 11-kilometer, five-hour journey. Yet their eyes are kept from recognizing him. I think one of the things that it raises to me is just the testament to how Jesus is able to make all things new. So Jesus comes along them and they look visibly sad. And Jesus asks them, what are you guys talking about? And they respond by telling him about Jesus of Nazareth. And this is the past part, the first part that I would like us to focus on, is their response to him. They say to Jesus, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Do you see how they talk about their hope in the past tense? We had hoped. There was a time when they had hope, but their hope was now gone. There was a time when they were hopeful, but now they felt hopeless. You know, as I consider the challenges that we face today in this season that we find ourselves in now, then I believe that some of us could confess today that we may feel something similar to what those disciples felt on that day. There once was hope, but now they feel hopeless. We once had plans and dreams for the weeks, for the months, for the year to come, but now they are dashed. And you know, if we aren't careful, then we could find ourselves right now in a season of hopelessness. It's been a year now that our country has seen various stages of lockdown with restrictions, and there is still widespread fear due to the pandemic. Right now, there is talk of the emergence of a third wave. There's a prediction that we might see it at the, towards the end of April, somewhere up to the beginning of June, 
we may experience a third wave. And so there is this anticipation of more hopelessness. And so I believe that there is some things that we have in common with the experience that these disciples had. And so maybe for some of us here, the year started out and you were hopeful. You had plans and hopes, as I was saying, for what this year could bring. But now, four months into the year, it seems that those plans might not work out in the way that we would like. So maybe you had hoped that this year would be different to last year and that things would change. Maybe you had hoped that this year you could start a new venture. Maybe you had hoped that your work situation would improve a possible promotion or just a possibility of an open door. Because now many people are lucky to continue to be employed in the next few weeks, let alone receive a full salary. Or maybe if you were homeless, you had hoped that you would have a roof over your head and food on your table. I think we have something in common with these disciples. They had hoped that Jesus would be the one who was going to redeem Israel. They were looking forward to something with confidence that it would come to pass, but now their hopes are gone. Let me challenge you with this as we think about this issue of hopelessness. Try not to let your current situation crucify the resurrection power that is within you now. And I think it is helpful for us to remember that we are on a journey. We are followers of Christ. Jesus is leading us on a journey. Paul calls it a race, a marathon. And sometimes we are too destination-minded, forgetting that we are travelers, that we are sojourners. And so where you are now is not where your story ends. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so there is a process, a journey that we are all on. And as we see here in this story, Jesus spends time on this journey to Emmaus with these two disciples, helping them come to terms with some of that. Let's pick up from verse 25. Let's go to the next slide, Luke. Verse 25 says, He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And so Jesus says to these guys here, these two disciples who seem to be stuck in the crucifixion while they are standing in the presence of the resurrection, he says to them, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? Didn't Jesus have to go through some stuff before he entered into glory? He was saying that there was a process at work in bringing the Messiah to this place. 
And so we see that Jesus was at work with these two disciples on this road, on this journey to Emmaus. He was counseling them. He was ministering to them, teaching them in that moment. And I think that right now some people are questioning God and they are questioning his ways. But God is not dead and God is not absent. He remains present and at work, ruling and reigning and ministering even now while we are on this journey. And so as we see in the scripture there, Jesus delivers an amazing Bible study, citing from memory passages from Moses and the prophets and explains to them how these passages relate to himself. Let's go to verse 27, Luke. It says from verse 28, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So for the Jews, the day ended at sundown. Last week we were on the beach and the day was ending as the sun was setting for us. And so for the Jews, the next day began with the setting of the sun. So the day ends and the day begins as the sun sets. Now when the Bible mentions that it was evening, according to the cultural tradition of the times, the evening kind of began at 12 noon, 12 in the afternoon for them in our understanding. When the sun had reached its highest point in the sky and it started to descend, now, it was the Jewish practice to take their main meal at noon. So it would be kind of like for us to have a, a big lunch, and that would be our main meal for the day. For them, their main meal was taken at noon. And since the day had reached its midpoint and the sun was now descending in the sky, it would have been considered that the day was now descending into the evening, as the text says there. And their invitation urging Jesus to stop and to eat with them would have been understandable. And so Jesus accepts their kind offer and he spends time with them. Up until this time, Jesus' role was kind of as being a guest, an honored guest who was just simply invited to eat with them. But as they are Eating, they are seated at the table. Jesus unexpectedly moves from the role of being a guest to being the host himself. And so as the host would normally do, he takes the bread. He offers the blessing. He breaks it and he gives it to them. 
And in the intimacy of this table fellowship, as Jesus breaks bread and he offers the blessing, they suddenly become aware of who he is. And immediately in that moment, their hope is resurrected. And Jesus was revealed in that moment in the breaking of bread. When I reflect on this, I am reminded that something happens when we spend intimate time with Jesus. Something happens when we are by ourselves focused, intent on him. And so as I reflect on this, you know, Jesus may be walking beside us, but unrecognized. Just as Jesus isn't recognized by these travelers to this place called Emmaus, so Jesus could be with you and even encourage you in your struggles, even though you aren't aware that he is present and with you. And so we may run the risk of missing Jesus if Jesus doesn't look like what we recognize. And so I think in practical terms, that is why having a quiet time is so important. You see, the more time we spend with him, the better we are able to recognize who he is. And so let me encourage you then to invite him in in the way that these travelers did. Ask him in your quiet moments to come and to explain to you all that the scriptures say concerning him. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, ask Jesus to come. And you know what will happen when you do that? I think that your hope will be rekindled. It will be revived. Because this is what happens to these two travelers on their way to Emmaus. And they describe it by saying that their hearts were burning within them. Let's go to the last two verses there. Verses 33 and 35, Luke. It says, They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. You know, when we meet the real Jesus, there is something that wakes up within us that compels us to tell others. I can recall the day that I made a commitment to accept the Lord. I felt that way, that my heart was burning within me and I needed to tell others about it. And I'm sure that for many of you here who have shared that experience that you can confess and bear witness to that fact that something happens inside of us when we meet the real Jesus. And so we are all on a journey 
kind of like these two disciples on their way to Emmaus. And as we read through this story now, we see that this journey to Emmaus recounts the story of two disciples who walk this 11-kilometer journey from Jerusalem to their home, we assume in Emmaus. But on the other hand, it also outlines for us the journey that we all take from not recognizing Jesus to understanding what the scriptures say about him, to recognizing him for who he is, and finally, to give our witness of what we have experienced. Let's pray. Now, while your eyes are closed, I want to ask you this evening, have you met the real Jesus yet? Can you confess this evening that you know him? Can you confess this evening that your heart has burned within you upon meeting him? Let me encourage you this evening to make that decision. Make that decision to welcome him in. Invite him in and something will happen when you do so. Father, we thank you this evening that we could gather, that we could sing songs of worship to your name because we long to see you high and lifted up. We thank you for your word that directs us, even as we read just a story about some people who saw you after you rose, that even as we work through these stories, the word does something inside of us. We ask, Lord, that even as we enter into this week, that you would continue to be with us as we seek to find some quiet time to meet with you. We ask that you would presence yourself with us because we eagerly desire to see your kingdom come here on earth, starting in our hearts as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.